Alma Gana Timirandasya Gana Janashalakaya Chakshur Un Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Okay, so we are, this is, I love this section of the Bhagavatam, it's just amazing. Uh, there's, you know, just uh, just the pure devotion of uh, Ritrasura and the not completely pure devotion of Indra and just to glorify Ritrasura. So uh, ecstatic. I, I think this is really... And the, these um, last verses in this chapter, chapter 11, are actually quite well-known verses in uh, amongst uh, Gaudi Vaishnavas. And we'll, we'll, we'll read them. But today we're starting on text 19. And we're going up to 21. Yeah. So, O king of the demigods, since I, your enemy, am standing before you, why don't you hurl your thunderbolt at me? Although your attack upon me with your club was certainly useless, like a request of money from a miser, the thunderbolt you carry will not be useless. You need have no doubts about this. <clears throat> so, you know, Indra uh, was starting to have some doubts after uh, what had happened previously, you know, having his, his club crushed a piece. Was it a club or trident? Cut, you know, cut the pieces uh, or actually sent back at him, right? So he... Uh, <laughs> He wasn't so sure that it was he was going to be successful, and Vitrasur is you know is saying, "Come on, let's fight! I you know I want to go back to God and I want to get this done and over with." <clears throat> so he's he's trying to find ways to encourage Indra to you know get with it. Oh, Indra, King of Heaven, text twenty, the. Thunderbolt you carry to kill me has been empowered, so he's reminding him, by, by the prowess of Lord Vishnu and the strength of Dadichi's austerities. Since you have come here to kill me in accordance with Lord Vishnu's order, there is no doubt that I shall be killed by the release of your thunderbolt. Lord Vishnu has sided with you. Therefore, your victory, opulence, and all good qualities are assured. <clears throat> So again, you know, he's, he, he wants to go back to Godhead um, <clears throat> and he wants to do it as quickly as possible. And Indra's, you know, as we would say in Iskan, he's on the mental platform. <laughs> and so he's trying to uh, encourage him not to, not to be mental about this, but to, uh, you know, pick up the thunderbolt. It's going to work. Have no doubt. It's been empowered by Lord Vishnu. It has it. It's, it has the shakti of Dadichi's uh, bones. His, well, his austerity. <coughs> so there's no doubt. You know, go for it. All right. So the next verse, text twenty-one. By the force of your thunderbolt, I shall be freed from material bondage, and shall give up this body and this world of material desires. Fixing my mind upon the lotus feet of Lord Sankarsana, 
<clears throat> I shall attend, I shall attain the destination of such great sages as Narada Muni, just as Lord Sankarsana has said. So, um, it's very, this is kind of interesting here because um, Indra was thinking that, this is mentioned by Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, Indra was thinking that Vichasura is just trying to trick him into, you know, using the thunderbolt to attack him. And then he'll catch the thunderbolt like he catches the trident and turn around and throw it right back at Indra and kill him. Right? So that, you know, we, we talked uh, sometimes in conflict resolution in my profession, we talk about this, how people can, ha uh, how intentions and impacts don't always match. So... In this case, that's why Vichasura is saying what he's saying here in this verse, that, you know, I, I want to give up my body. He said, I shall, I want to go back to Lord Sankarshan. I want to be, you know, serve Narada Muni. And, and so he's trying, he's, he's telling Indra, don't worry, I'm not trying to, this is not a trick. Right? I'm not a used car salesman here. You know, uh, this is this is the real deal. I want I want what I want, and you want what you want. We can have a win win situation here. So so he's 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 explicitly telling him what his motivation is, and that's you know that clarification, of course, is is really going to help Indra to decide. Okay, you know, I'm going to do it. Um, but I, but I thought this was very, you know, kind of fascinating from a conflict resolution or communication point of view that he's clarifying his intention here because previously Indra was thinking, he, you know, he's, what do they say in Hindi? Is it Chalu? He's being tricky. So any thoughts on this point? Anyone want to buy a used car from me? Or what, what did Prabhupada say that in, in India, uh, the businessman will, the, 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 uh, person owning the shop will say, Oh, I like you so much. For you, I make no profit. Right. And even Prabhupada said that, uh, people, one reason people wear mustaches is to hide their smile when they're lying to you. <laughs> you know, because Prabhupada said, if, if for, if they made no profit, then why would they be in business, right? No, no, it is. Well, what's the other one? Cheap and best. Cheap and best. <laughs> Any thoughts on this? Well, it's a very subtle situation. Okay. Uh, a lot of sense. And let us continue. So text 22. Persons who fully surrender at the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of God and always think of his lotus feet are accepted and recognized by the Lord as his own personal assistants or servants. The Lord never bestows upon such servants the brilliant opulence of the upper, lower, and middle planetary systems of this material world. When one possesses material opulence in any of these three divisions of the universe, his possessions naturally increase his enmity, anxiety, mental agitation, pride, and belligerence. Thus one goes through such endeavors to increase and maintain his possessions, and he suffers great unhappiness 
when he loses them. So Vritasura now is starting to preach to Indra. Mm -hmm. And basically what this verse is saying is the Lord's blessings are far superior to material blessings. And it's really amazing. And I think it's this purport. Yes, it is. Um, Prabhupada used the word rot in the material world. So let's, um, let's look at this purport. Both Indra and Britrasura, the second sentence, were certainly devotees of the Lord, although Indra took instructions from Vishnu to kill Britrasura. The Lord was actually more favorable to Britrasura because after being killed by Indra's thunderbolt, Britrasura would go back to Godhead, whereas the victorious Indra would rot in this material world. Because both of them were devotees, the Lord awarded them the respective benedictions they wanted. Vritrasura never wanted material possessions, for he knew very well the nature of such possessions. To accumulate material possessions, one must labor very hard. And when he gets them, he creates many enemies, because this material world is always full of rivalry. If one becomes rich, his friends or relatives are envious. For ekanta bhaktas, unalloyed devotees, ekanta means one, single-minded, right? Krishna, therefore, never provides material possessions. One second. A devotee sometimes needs such material possessions for preaching, but the possessions of a preacher are not like those of a karmi. A karmi's possessions are achieved as a result of karma, but those of a devotee are arranged by the Supreme Personality of God just to facilitate his devotional activities. Because a devotee never uses material possessions for any purpose other than the service of the Lord, the possessions of a devotee are not to be compared with those of a karmi. So, um, Indra, well, let's talk about possessions first. So the problem with possessions is that we covet them. We identify with them. And a devotee tries to develop a mood uh, that I'm, I, an identity that I'm simply Krishna's service. And why I care about material possessions, I may care greatly about material possessions, but as this purport says, uh, in order to serve better. And also, you know, we, we care for our material possessions. We see Krishna has sent them for us, so let me take care of them well. But, but we don't covet them, we don't identify with them outside of their usefulness in, in devotional service. Krishna says this in the Gita, Bhogaishvaya prashaktanam taya parita chetasam. We have a sayat mikabud here, samadhaunavidhiyate, that one doesn't get samadhi or fixed consciousness if one is um, too overwhelmed by bhogaishvarya, bhogaishvarya, uh, enjoying spirit and, and desire for opulence. So a devotee may have great opulence if that's what the Lord wants to give him or her. Um, but the devotee understands that they're temporary and understands that outside of using them in Krishna's service, they, they are just earth, water, fire, air, Ether, mind, intelligence, and ego, or if it's a person, mind, intelligence, I mean, human being, well, they all have, if it's a living entity, yeah, 
mind, intelligence, and ego. So this is, and this was Ritrasura. He, 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 you know, he knew Indra was a Sakam devotee in the sense that he wanted to um, have sole proprietorship over the heavenly kingdom. And Ritrasura didn't give a darn about that. He, he couldn't care less. He wanted to go back to Godhead. So Indra was going to rot, Prabhupada's words, uh, since he was not on the level of Britrasura, who in, previously was Chitraketu, whom Lord Shiva said, Narayana parasarve nakutas chandibhiditi swarga parvaga narakeshu apitu yatadarshanam. That, that Lord Shiva was so amazed and impressed with Chitraketu when he got cursed by Parvati and he didn't try to counteract it. He didn't say, he just said, oh, okay, thank you so much. And he, and he took the birth and the demon as we know from this. So these are the two points uh, in this purport that I gleaned. Some thoughts, your questions, your comments about this. Okay. All right. Thank well, you, actually. I was laughing because it just occurred to me that, um, after all, the scriptures are a piece of writing. They can't tell you everything in the universe, so they tell you certain narrative, right? And uh, it, it just occurred to me that the function of Indra in these stories is he's easier to relate to. <laughs> he's a demigod that screws up a lot. So <laughs> I think 99.9% .9 of us in ISKCON are closer to Indra, Indra they are, than we are to Vitrasura. <laughs> well, if there's a Victor Sura, I'm going to sell everything I had and go over and be at his feet tomorrow, no, wait, wait. you know, in ISKCON. So we're closer to Indra. But, um, and the way you can tell that Vitrasura is such a far devotee is he's so much closer to the Lord. Because the Lord dying is not as big a thing to him because he knows what's going to happen. He knows everything's going to be wonderful. And he yeah. knows, well, it'll just sting a little bit, you know, but then you'll be really happy. <laughs> yeah. But, but we don't really know that. Right, right. But, but this illustrates that Indra knows that the same way we do. Because when you're in a battle, even if intellectually you know that the Lord is way is with Vitrasura and everything, you think, well, if I get a bad cut, I'm going to bleed to death. I have to worry about that, right? So he's way closer to our level than than I think <laughs> than to Vitrasura. So I just had that observation. Yeah, nice. Well, it's a spectrum from you know. Pure bhakti here to sakam uh, bhakti or a karma mishra bhakti, uh, and uh, what we should be hopeful, hoping for is that at least we're making gradual progress towards vichasura. <laughs> yeah, um, but he is such an exalted devotee. He just he just couldn't give a fig about dying. You know, uh, even though it took a year for him to die, right? <laughs> we read later. Um, he couldn't give a fig. He, he just was Krishna Hey, and just focused on, on Krishna. It's really inspirational. Other thoughts? Comments? Uh, yes. Something came to my mind is um, even though he born as a demon, accepting even the defeat as the Lord's service, which is something which is something I really appreciate because uh, uh, even in my condition, like you know, there is a small failure. Uh, it takes so much time for me to accept, uh, you know, it's God's mercy. 
but like uh, you know born as a demonic uh, qualities like accepting failure is is really appreciated quality yeah 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 no and and he was born in a demon family but he obviously had all the devotional samskars yeah it's such a, he's really inspirational and also kind of you know another thing um andy that maybe we can relate to is that most of us are not born in pure brahman families yeah. or pure vaishnava families i was just thinking that yeah so he had a hard upbringing around all these ugly demons but it didn't yeah yeah so it's just like us you know we had yeah. we had our own uh, <laughs> uh version of um uh sanda and amarka you know the two uh gurukul teachers of prahlad <laughs> yeah like that we get to relate to both characters indra yeah. because he's more like us and vichasura because he came up as a demon it wasn't a nice way to come yeah. up you know yeah and and he and he it's, it's aspirational to try to develop his consciousness yeah anything else okay then let us Yo, yes, yes, Nandimuki, Devi. Hare Krishna. I, I was just talking about, thinking about, um, um, from the perspective of the Lord, um, the Lord is quite um, liberal in granting the, uh, fulfilling the prayer of Indra, because in Indra's prayer, as we saw previously, he is, he was addressing Vitrasura as a... Um, Asura and uh, demonic uh, character, but um, so I think it's it's quite liberal for for uh, the Lord to take that um, statement or perspective of Indra and then granted Indra what he wants. Uh huh. Yes, and, and Nandimuki, like you're saying, you know, it's it's a it's a good, really good example. I, I think it's in the beginning of this purport, even right. Um, Yes, yeyatamam prapadyante tamsatayabhajamyam. Prabhupada gives the English, as devotees surrender to me, I reward them accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects, O son of Prita. So it's a great, isn't this, this is such a perfect example of this? Indra got what he wanted, he's a devotee, and Vichasura is going to get what he wants. And the Lord did not criticize Indra, you are uh, making an offense unto my pure devotee, so I'm not going to help you. Yes, yes. <laughs> True. <clears throat> Hare Krishna Prabhu, this is Jim Welcome back, Haribo. <laughs> Haribo. I'm always here, just quiet. Uh, so, one of the aspects is when uh, Indra had approached the Supreme Personality of Godhead. At that time, it was revealed to him that Vritrasur is also a devotee. Uh. The Lord already revealed that. Vritrasu's position of being a demon, yet he's brother of Vishwarupa. So again, from that perspective, he's a devotee. And he's accepting everything as his coming, you know, as his prescribed duty, while he's always situated in his constitutional position on serving the Lordship. And that we also see when he faces Indra. So again, there's so many aspects. Yeah. It also is a glorification of uh, that when uh, Chitraketu, he was cursed by Bhavani, you know, uh, Goddess Parvati, uh, and the presence of Lord Shiva, he simply surrendered without having any defense for himself because 
the association of a devotee is a great blessing. And it doesn't matter if you're cursed or, you know, your behavior is non-offensive is the greatest aspect. So he had the right attitude from the very beginning. So everything is going to be auspicious. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Thank you. So let's continue. The next verse continues with just sort of preaching to Indra. Uh, oh, Lord, our Lord. No, yeah. Our Lord, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, forbids his devotees to endeavor uselessly for religion, economic development, and sense gratification. Now, Indra, one can thus infer how kind the Lord is. Such mercy is attainable only by unalloyed devotees, not by persons who aspire for material gain. So now in 24, oh, my Lord, oh, Supreme Personality. So he's, now he's praying to the Lord. Um, and these are the beginning of the uh, these these amazing uh, verses of of prayers. O supreme personality of God, may I again be able to be a servant of your eternal servants, who find shelter only at your lotus feet. O Lord of my life, may uh, <coughs> excuse me, may I again become their servant, <coughs> their servant, so that my mind may always think of your transcendental attributes. My words always glorify these attributes and my body always engage in the loving service of your Lordship. <coughs> Prabhupada writes, um, this verse gives, it's such a, when Prabhupada begins a sentence, a, a purport like this, what are you supposed to think? This verse gives a sum and substance of devotional life. One must first become a servant of the servant of the servant of the Lord. Dasa das anudas. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu advised, and he also showed by his own example that a living entity should always desire to be a servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, the maintainer of the gopis. Gopi Bhattu, excuse me, Padakamalayor, Dasa das anudas. This means that one must accept the spiritual master who comes in the disciplic succession and is a servant of the servant of the Lord. Under his direction, one must then engage in the under the uh, uh, one's three pro properties, namely his body, mind, and words. The body should be engaged in physical activity under the order of the master. The mind should think of Krishna incessantly, and one's words should be engaged in preaching the glories of the Lord. If one is thus engaged in the loving service of the Lord, one's life is successful. <clears throat> so I thought I'd also read to you what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says about this verse. He's, um, he says that seeing that Indra did not throw the thunderbolt, Vitrasura thought, oh, what can I say to this rascal Indra who sees everything as material? I will make a request at the lotus feet of my Lord. Then seeing the Lord appear in his meditation, Vritrasura speaks this verse. <coughs> when will I again become the servant of the servants who have taken shelter of your lotus feet? Please say why there is such a delay, for I am tormented by this longing. And the Lord replies to Vritrasura, very soon you will be mine. First, please ask for a boon. Vritrasura replies, may my mind remember you, O Lord of my life, Asupati, 
May my words sing your qualities. May my mind massage your feet. May, uh, may my body, sorry, massage your feet, fan you, and give you betelna. This is the prayer of my mind, voice, and body. And then in 25, oops, I let somebody in. And then in 25, O oh my Lord, source of all opportunities, I do not desire to enjoy in Dhruvaloka, the heavenly planets, or the planet where Lord Brahma resides, nor do I want to be the supreme ruler of all earthly planets uh, uh, or the lower planetary systems. I do not desire to be the master of the powers of mystic yoga, nor do I want liberation if I have to give up your lotus feet. And then there's a short purport that Prabhupada says, a pure devotee never desires to gain material, opportun- yeah, material opportunities by rendering transcendental loving service to the Lord. A pure devotee desires only to engage in the loving service of the Lord in the constant association of the Lord and his eternal associates. As stated in the previous verse, dasanu daso bhavitasmi. As confirmed by Narotama Das Thakur, Tandera Charana Sevi Bhaktasanivas, Janame Janamahoe Abilas. To serve the Lord and the servant of his servants in the association of devotees is the only objective for a pure, unalloyed devotee. So, such uh, beautiful prayers and a beautiful purport about what the desire, the devotee, I mean, this is what we aspire for. Andy, as Andy is reminding us, we're not there yet. But our aspiration is to engage uh, in service in constant association of the Lord and his eternal associates, like the bridge bases. Mm-hmm. And that that should be the, uh, that's the only objective of someone seeking pure devotional service. Tandara charana sevi. Bhaktasanivas. Um now, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has a comment on this verse also. I, I, I think you'll find it wonderful. He begins with a possible response from Krishna to Brichasura's prayer in text 24. Oops. Uh, I can give you everything, including swarga and liberation. Please take them. Shaking his head, Brichasura emphatically refuses, saying, no, no, no. Uh, Naka prishta means heaven, swarga. In separation from you, my life airs burn. How will swarga make me happy? Meeting you, I will attain the three blessings I previously mentioned. My mind will always think of your transcendental attributes. My words always glorify your those attributes. And my body's always my body always engaged in your loving service. Why then accept the happiness of swarga? So this is this is um, the blessings. Of especially Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and and, and Panchatattva and um, that a, that as we taste as we get a higher taste in Krishna consciousness we we just naturally our attraction to this world pales. It's so hard to do that to do that any other way, you know. Um, Yogis try, but they can get diverted in so many ways. My, uh, impersonalists try, but 
it's very easy to to uh, again get into mundane activities and of course devotees also try and sometimes fail but ultimately it's not a failure because whatever progress they make they just pick up next time they engage in devotional service and keep on going um, but it's it's but if we take Krishna consciousness really seriously and and really work at it uh, well work at it maybe the wrong word we, we we're sincere serious and sincere the words Prabhupada would use then even if we think sometimes it's impossible to give up these material desires, I'm so attracted to this, I'm so attracted to that, it is possible by, by Krishna's mercy. And I'm sure we've all experienced that at least sometimes in our, in our life, that it just seems I'm just not so attracted to this material world. And it's just, it's, it's Krishna. It's Krishna. By the way, it's a nice picture of Henry with Bhakti Chu Maharaj. I don't know who the other devotee is, but nice picture. <laughs> okay, should we do one? Uh, well, let's see. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll pause here for a second to see if you have anything to say before we go on to the last two prayers. Any thoughts? No. Okay. I have a quick reflection on this. Yes, Jay. Uh, I was just look. I was just thinking that you know we're in the midst of a battle. You know we've got these uh, demigods who are like attacking the uh, the uh, the demons from behind, and we've got Rikrasura getting angry and he's trampling all over those demigods. And all of a sudden he stops and says these transcendental prayers, and you know he's telling he's telling Indra to fight me, to fight me, to throw the thunderbolt. I want to die. I want to die. And, you know, he's, he's in a battle and I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to like uh, envision, you know, what it looks like at the moment. And it's just remarkable how, you know, Ritrasura is so devoted to the Lord that he's ready to give everything up straight away. Amazing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Anything else? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. <clears throat> so, um, I was uh, just reflecting on, you know, in this month of Karthik, we have such a great fortune to be able to offer prayers of Damodarashtakam. Yeah. And yeah. what to just talk about Damodarashtakam and anything else, I mean, anything and everything else Prabhupada has so kindly uh, shared with us all so that we can engage in bhakti now and understand the importance of devotee association, you know, including all the elements of bhakti, I mean. Here, the you know uh, the section we are going through how Vritasur uh, is the pastimes here. He's identifying the glories, um, uh, you know, engaging with this. Uh, you know, this section it says that may I again become servant, servant of the servant, engage in your service, taking shelter at your lotus feet. All that, you know, so I was reflecting and associating with where would we be? I mean, <laughs> we are born and raised in India, but we can't even begin to be thankful enough to Srila Prabhupada and all the Vaishnavas yeah. for bringing bhakti to our lives to have this appreciation. Nice. And, you know, you're saying, you're saying talking about the Dhamma I, 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 
I sometimes key in on the, the, the fourth verse and the seventh verse that both use, uh, bring up the word moksha. I don't want that. You know, they're like, it, it's such a um, beautiful um, description. The seventh verse, right? You know, I only long for your prema bhakti. I have no desire for any kind of liberation, right? You know, just nothing for myself. And then um, what's really interesting, especially if we think of Richard Sura's pastime in the fourth verse of the Dhammadras, uh, okay, I don't pray for impersonal liberation. I don't even pray for the highest liberation in Vaikuntha. I only want to see that form of yours as Baal Gopal in Vrindavan ever be ever manifest in my heart. Yeah. And what is the <laughs> use of anything other than that? So that so that's even taking you know Vichasura's prayers to the next level because the, the Dhammadraskam is talking about Braj Bhakti. And devotional service in Vrindavan, and there, and therefore that that devotee is experiencing that says ah you know Vaikuntha nah that's okay thank you very much thanks but no thanks um, just because of the incredible attraction of Krishna's childhood pastimes they inundate the the residents of Braj right the song goes yes so t- I forgot today is the last day of Kartik yes. So the last chance to chant the Dhammadaraskam and offer a, a lamp to the Lord. Um, and I hope you've had a good devotional month of Kartik. It's, uh, yeah, usually I would be uh, on an airplane going to uh, India right now for the Govardhan retreats that begin just after Kartik, usually. But not this year. <laughs> It's a unique year in so many ways. Any other thoughts on this? So let, let's actually, let's go on to these last two verses, um, last two prayers that are so powerful, so powerful. Um, this next one is probably maybe maybe considered the most famous one of, uh, of Vitrasura's prayers. And he talks about, he gives three examples. Oh, lotus-eyed Lord, as baby birds that have not yet developed their wings, always look for their mother to return and feed them. As small calves tied with ropes await anxiously the time of milking when they will be allowed to drink the milk of their mothers. Or as a morose wife whose husband is away from home always longs for him to return and satisfy her in all respects, I always yearn for the opportunity to render direct service to you. And just read the first line. A pure devotee always yearns to associate personally with the Lord and render service unto him. Now let's look a little bit, we'll talk a little bit about this verse. So uh, first let's, uh, something from Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. He says um, that he's quoting or being Vishwarup, so to speak. Although I long for you, the attainment of my desire depends solely on you. I can do nothing. And to illustrate this, Vichrasur then offers three examples. Baby birds, um, fearing owls and afflicted by hungry, hunger, and have not yet grown their wings, long for their mother's return at every moment. Hearing the rustling of leaves and thinking their mother has returned, they chirp and open their beaks. 
that the Lord might say, just as a mother bird will protect her nestlings and satisfy their hunger by placing in their open beaks a small insect she has brought, I will protect you from the threefold miseries, including enemies like Indra, and will satisfy your desire by giving you the enjoyments of Swarga or Brahmaloka. But then Vitrasura replies to the Lord, but I do not want anything other than your sweetness. Anything unfavorable for that attainment will bind my gross and subtle body to matter and lead only to misery, because apart from bondage to this gross and subtle body called Britra, which is opposed to attaining you, I have no other misery. So now Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur goes on to the second example of a hungry young calf tied to a stake in a householder's home. He says that this is not a perfect example because a calf desires only its own happiness and is therefore determined to drink its mother's milk, a manifestation of its mother's affection. Calves lack a mood of service to their mothers. Therefore, Britrasura remains dissatisfied with this example and offers a third one, a wife longing to see her husband. And Vishnav Chakravarti Thakur continues, the, Lord, the, the wife is morose because of her affection for her husband. She misses him, who has traveled to a distant land. On his return, she plans to use all of her senses to make him happy, and she knows that by doing so, her own senses will also be satisfied. She will see, she will see his beauty and activities and hear his sweet voice and joking words. So similarly, so then the end of that, so similarly, Vitrasura considers, he thinks, I will, I also will serve you. And you will naturally satisfy me. Bittasura has already expressed this mood in previous verse 24. May my mind remember you, the Lord of my life. My words chant your glories and my body serve you. But different from this wife in my example, Bittasura prays, who satisfies her husband through Dasya, Sakya, and Shingara Rasas in the material realm, I will satisfy you only through Dasya Ras, servitude, and only in this, this spiritual sense. Thus, I long for nothing in return for my service. Quite beautiful, huh? And then we'll do 27, which I also have comments from Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, and then we'll see if you have any questions on comments on 26 and 27. So the last verse of this, uh, of this chapter. Oh, my Lord, my master, I am wandering throughout this material world as a result of my fruit of activities. Can anyone think of a verse that sounds like that? Chaitanya Charitamrita? Sugandha? No? Brahmanda Brahmite Kon Bhagyaman Jeev Guru Krishna Prasade Bhai Bhakti Lata Beej that the conditioned souls wandering throughout the universe that is fortunate if uh, comes in contact with a great devotee. Becomes very fortunate. Bhagyaman. Therefore, I simply seek friendship in the association of your pious and enlightened devotees. My attachment to my body, wife, children, and home is continuing by the spell of your external energy, but I wish to be attached to them no longer. Let my mind, my consciousness, and everything I have be attached only to you. And Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, he completes his uh, comments on these prayers by saying, at that moment, Vitrasura became humble. Oh, how can one as low as me attain such good fortune? 
let me remain in this world. Um, the prayer in 27 is offered in this mood. But, Vitrasura continues, if I am to remain in this world, let me have friendship with the Lord's devotees and not with those attached to body, children, house, and wife. In this life, I have had the association only of demons and have not had the association of your devotees. And so I feel an insurmountable sorrow. So these are very powerful prayers, especially 26 is extremely famous, how we can be uh, expecting the Lord's mercy and hankering for him. Uh, any comments or questions on these? Okay, well, then we will go to the next chapter and hear about Vichasura's glorious death. And we're going up to verse number seven, I believe. Um, yeah, so a little introduction to this chapter. So Vichasura, he, he, you know, he wanted death from Indra's thunderbolt because um, he recognized that that would be the vehicle that would carry him to Krishna. So in the first five verses um, of the previous chapter, um, Indra's desire manifested in the form of his reprimanding Indra, right? And then in six to 12, he, he attacked him. And then 13 to 17, he threatened him. And 18 to 21, he, he assured him, he patted him on the back and said, you're going to win, you're going to win. And then if you remember 20, what we just did, 22 and 23, he, he tried to preach to Indra. And then finally, he, he surrendered uh, and said those beautiful prayers to the Lord. Uh, yet, yet throughout all of this, Indra didn't attack him, right? He didn't. He, 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 he didn't. And why is that? Because why? Well, I think, um, I forgot who, who it was. I think it was um, uh, Jiva Tatra Prabhu said that, you know, because while he's listening to Prichasura, he caught a, he, he got an idea of who he is. He may be a demon body, but he's this great devotee, right? So now in these, uh, in these first two verses in chapter 12, Prichasura is going to, you know, he's going to try to force Indra by uh, the act of lifting his trident and ferociously attacking him. Okay. So these first two verses, Sukadeva Goswami said, desiring to give up his body, Vitrasura considered death in the battle for preferable to victory. Omaraj Brikshit, he vigorously took up his trident with great force, attacked Lord Indra, the king of heaven, just as Kaitaba had forcefully attacked the Supreme Personality of Godhead when the universe was inundated. Then Britrasura, the great hero of the demons, whirled his trident, which had points like the flames of the blazing fire at the end of the millennium. With great force and anger, he threw it at Indra, roaring and exclaiming loudly, O oh, sinful one, I shall kill you. Flying in the sky, Vritrasura's trident resembled a brilliant meteor. Although the blazing weapon was difficult to look upon, King Indra, unafraid, cut it to pieces with his thunderbolt. Simultaneously, he cut off one of Vritrasura's arms, which was as thick as the body of Vasuki, the king of serpents. Although one of his arms was severed from his body, Vritrasura angrily approached Lord King Indra and struck him on the jaw with an iron mace. 
He also struck the elephant that carried Indra. Thus, Indra dropped the thunderbolt from his hand. So now, you know, Indra is getting scared. The demigods are getting scared. The denizens of various planets, like the demigods, demons, charanas, and siddhas, praised Britrasura's deed. But when they observed that Indra was in great danger, they lamented, alas, alas. Having dropped the thunderbolt from his hand in the presence of his enemy, Indra was practically defeated and was very much ashamed. He dared not pick up his weapon again. Britrasura, however, encouraged him, saying, take up your thunderbolt and kill your enemy. This is not the time to lament your fate. Vitrasura continued, O oh, Indra, one, no one is guaranteed of being always victorious. Now he starts getting very philosophical. And this is, this is an amazing thing that he starts preaching to Indra. No one is guaranteed of being always victorious, but the original, but the original enjoyer. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Bhagavan. He is the cause of creation, maintenance, and annihilation, and he knows everything. Being dependent and being obliged to accept material bodies, belligerent subordinates are sometimes victorious and sometimes defeated. We'll go about halfway down the purport. Victory is always with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Right? Do we know uh, a verse from the Bhagavad Gita that says that? Thank you, Sudanda. Yes, yes. That wherever there is Krishna, right, there will be victory, supreme morality, etc. Right? The last verse will be Gita, right? As for the subordinate living entities, that's us, they fight under the arrangement of the supreme personality of Godhead. Victory or defeat is not actually theirs. It is an arrangement by the Lord through the agency of material nature. Pride in victory or moroseness in defeat is useless. One should fully depend on the, one should fully depend on the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is responsible for the victory and defeat of all living entities. And Prabhupada a little later quotes Karma Nevari Karaste. You have a right to perform your prescribed duty, but you are not entitled to the fruits of action, to the results. One must act sincerely according to his position. Victory or defeat depends upon the Lord. Hmm. So, so Krishna alone is always victorious, right? And Vitrasura is now, he's, he's, he's telling the king, he's telling Indra basically two points. That Krishna is alone, always victorious, and that our victories are not really our own because they depend on our karma, which ultimately means we depend on Krishna. So, you know, knowing this, we may ask, you know, what then is our relationship with the ever-victorious Krishna? And how should we respond to the mixed results that we get in our lives, right? We get sometimes, we get happiness, we sometimes get distress, we sometimes win, we sometimes lose, our favorite teams win, our favorite team loses. So that's what Vitra is doing here in this verse. He's starting to guide us in that, in that very understanding. Mm -hmm. um, 
let's see. Vitrasura, then the next paragraph, uh, Vitrasura encouraged Indra saying, don't be morose because of my victory. There is no need to stop fighting. Instead, you should go on with your duty. When Krishna desires, you will certainly be victorious. This verse is very instructive for sincere workers in the Krishna consciousness movement. We should not be jubilant in victory or morose in defeat. We should make a sincere effort to implement the will of Krishna or Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and we should not be concerned with victory and defeat. Our only duty is to work sincerely so that our activities may be recognized by Krishna. So, and now becoming dependent on Krishna like in this way is not passive, you know, fatalism or helplessness. Um, when we say that, you know, victory or defeat depends on the Lord, um, it means that our, our success, it's not guaranteed and it's not fully in our hands. So we, so what we need to do is, Prabhupada is saying here, is we need to do our duty, but in a detached way, and thus we don't become entangled in this world. And then Prabhupada quotes, you know, you have a right to do your duty, you should do your duty, but you're not to, meant to be entangled in the, in the fruits, in the victory or defeat. So, and, and uh, you know, when we talk about the doership, you know, which comes up in, in our, especially in our Gita talks, and we, we've talked about many times, um, although karma comes as a result of our actions, uh, ultimately it's Krishna who awards the karma that we, that we deserve. And then in the uh, Bhagavatam, in the third canto, this, by the way, if you're interested, it's 3311. It says, um, under the supervision of the Supreme Lord, and according to the results of his work, the living entity, the soul, is made to enter into the womb of a woman through the particle of male semen to assume a particular type of body. Okay, so that's that verse. So this means that that um, even the dispensing, the giving out of karma, depends on Krishna's will, because he's the ultimate awarder of, of our karma, of our faith. And Krishna can adjust this as he says he's going to do that in the Gita, right? Um, the 929, if I'm not mistaken, Sukanda, that, you know, Krishna says, I don't envy anybody. I'm not partial to anyone. I'm equal to everyone. But, but if you're a devotee, um, it's a different program. So if we think ourselves as... Uh, as doers, and then we, 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 that means we will taste the mixed bitterness and material sweetness of victories and defeats and happiness and, dis and uh, distress. Um, so, but we're, we're not meant to, we're meant to, as devotees, we're meant to um, transcend that. And only think ultimately of Krishna's pleasure. So, you know, why should we get proud of any success we have? In, in matter of fact, we, you know, we might even know that if we become really jubilant about uh, some success, it probably means there's some failure, <laughs> some despair around the corner. So instead of being attached to the results of our work in that way, we, sh we should, as Prabhupada is saying this purpose, we should be firm 
in our sincere uh, devotional attempts to please Guru and Krishna. And that should be the basis of our attachment. What pleases Krishna? Not the good and bad of this world. If you go out and you distribute 300 books one day or you go out and distribute one book that day, um, the, the, if the endeavor was to please Guru and Krishna, that's what counts. Results are up to Krishna. So, also, although Bhritrasura is, you know, he's telling Indra to fight dutifully in, in, you know, in a mood that's free from attachment to fear and defeat, he's also telling him, don't worry, you're going to win. <laughs> right? Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, so uh, any thoughts on doing our duty in this beginning verse uh, of, of a number of verses where um, Bhritrasura is going to preach to Indra? Yeah, uh, I just have a lot of questions about this. Oh my God, really? Okay, like, go ahead, like about about nine hundred. But uh, <laughs> but do you think it's this is like the beginning? Do you think it's easier to avoid happiness or avoid sadness? Mm. Right, and then the the real goal is detachment, I guess. So this puts us in the funny position. If if we get too happy, we know we're not working the detachment right. I mean, it's just as bad as being really sad, really, either extreme. So do we, we can't, do we attack the symptoms to say, oh, I'll try to be less happy or I'll try to be less sad? <laughs> or do we uh, aim for detachment and, you know, pull them both in, at, you know, at the same time? Well, okay, so the great question. Uh, the first point is uh, to define terms, right? You know, because happy is used in different ways. Sometimes we say chant and be happy. <laughs> Right? Or read this Bhagavad Gita and it will bring you great happiness, right? Um, and and the, in the, the way you've been using it the last minute, um, Andy, was about material happiness, right? Um, and so let's, let's try to make uh, one, one way to have this discussion is to distinguish happiness from satisfaction. And it's one way, you know, there's different ways, right? But if we're talking about, so a devotee may feel great satisfaction, uh, in their effort, in their in feeling Krishna's reciprocation for their sincere, or maybe even not so sincere, but generally their sincere efforts in in bhakti, and that is different than you know that is on a different level of material happiness. As a matter of fact, it's so different that in chapter two, verse fifty nine, Krishna is saying that one um, gives up the desire for material happiness when one is feeling satisfaction, it gets a higher taste, is the almost ex exact word, param tristva. So I think we need to make that distinction that one may feel overwhelmed with bliss even. We might even use that word, right? Spiritual bliss, spiritual satisfaction. And the point is that that is regardless of the external results, you know, and there, you know, the great example of that, that we often give is his holiness, Bhakti Tirta Maharaj, you know, dying of cancer and hearing the Chaitanya Charitamrita and saying, it doesn't get any better than this. Right. So he's in great distress on, on one level and experiencing great happiness on the other. So um, I think it's good to watch, you know, so to answer your question a little bit more directly or to address it, um, you know, it's good to watch the fluctuations of the mind 
and see how much we get into happiness and distress, good and bad of this world. And also to not worry about it too much and just focus on giving pleasure to Krishna. That, so now only 899 questions. Yeah. No, that was very helpful. So if we feel a bliss and really nothing has changed materially, that's good. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's and if we feel bliss and there's a new Tesla in your driveway, that's good. And if we feel bliss <laughs> and they, they tow away your uh, your Toyota, that's also good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Anything else from you uh, that's good for now, Andy? It was actually very helpful. Thank you. Okay, good. All right. Anything else? Yes, it's very, very instructive for us. We have our duties to perform. Um, and we have two kinds of duties, constitutional and conditional. So most of us on this call, or at least well, some of us, not all of us, are um, in the Grihasta Ashram, married married people. And so we have our, you know, like, uh, you know, yesterday I spent, I had to spend about 20 minutes on the darn internet ordering, making sure I ordered the right, windshield wiper replacements for my cars you know so but that's you know that's a duty in this world and then we also have our spirit you know our our spiritual duties uh depending on if we've taken vows or or or, or you know um those may vary to some extent um but we we try to do those um with remembrance of krishna as said in the eighth verse, uh, seventh verse of the eighth chapter and Manmana Bhava Madhbhakta also mentioned twice in the Gita to always think of Krishna. Okay, shall we move on? We're going to hear more preaching. Oh, and uh, Sukhanda has put this beautiful verse. Uh, the occupational activities a man performs according to his own position, in other words, doing his duties, is useless labor if they don't provoke attraction for the message of the personality of Godhead. Yes. So therefore we want to do our duties in connection with Krishna. Beautiful. Okay. Now let us move on to text number eight. All, so this is uh, still Vritrasura preaching to, uh, to Indra. Okay, we're going up to, well, basically up to 13. Yeah. All living beings in all the planets of this universe, including the presiding deities of all the planets, are fully under the control of the Lord. They work like birds caught in a net who cannot move independently. So Krishna is the controller. Krishna is the boss. Our sensory pros, uh, prowess, mental power, bodily strength, living force, immortality, and mortality are all subject to the superintendence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Not knowing this, foolish people think that, uh, think the dull material body to be the cause of their activities. Mm. So, we really are dependent on Krishna for our, look for our sensory prowess, our mental power, our bodily strength, our living force, everything. Oh, King Indra, as a wooden doll that looks like a woman, or as an animal made of grass and leaves, cannot move or dance independently, but depends fully on the person who handles it. 
All of us dance according to the desire of the Supreme Controller, the Personality of Godhead. No one is independent. And of course, it's a little reminiscent of Prabhupada's prayer uh, in Boston Harbor that, oh my Lord, make me dance, make me dance, oh Lord, make me dance as you like. A beautiful prayer. Um, here it is. Oh Lord, I am just like a puppet in your hands. So if you have brought me here to dance, then make me dance, make me dance. Oh Lord, make me dance as you like. And boy, did Krishna make him dance. And Nandi Mukhi has put here about the a rope causes fear for a bewildered person who considers it a snake, but not for a person with proper intelligence who knows it to be only a rope. Similarly, you as a super soul in everyone's heart inspire fear or fearlessness according to one's intelligence. But in you, there is no such duality. Nice. Okay, so we're moving on, going up to... So we're on 11 now. So in 11 and 12, um, he talks about he who, that Krishna, you know, he, he, he controls even the elements that combine into making this universe. And those who refuse to acknowledge that and his position are foolish. So 11. The three Purushas, Karana Dakshai Vishnu, Garba Dakshai Vishnu, and Shiro Dakshai Vishnu, the material nature, the total material energy, the false ego, the five material elements, the material senses, the mind, the intelligence, and consciousness cannot create the material manifestation without the direction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. A foolish, senseless person cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Although always dependent, he falsely thinks himself the Supreme. And then always dependent, but falsely thinking. If one thinks... Quote, according to one's previous fruit of actions, one's material body is created by the father and mother, and the same body is annihilated by another agent, as another animal is devoured by a tiger. This is not proper understanding. The Supreme Personality of God himself creates and devours the living entity, the living beings through other living beings. Okay, so now in 13 to 15, um, he's going to explain that victory depends on Krishna and that we can only remain, you know, equipoised if we accept that he is the supreme controller. Hmm. So, you know, Krishna, he reciprocates with, with our desires. And, and by doing that, he allows us to think um, we know the truth about reality, <laughs> Right. Isn't that interesting, right? We all think we, we understand reality pretty well. And, you know, people who are, uh, um, you know, someone who's walking around with a MAGA hat on, they think that they know reality very well. They know what's really going on. Or someone who's, you know, whatever, a uh, nuclear physicist, they think they know what's, you know, we, you know. So Krishna allows every soul to think that whatever we've achieved has been accomplished by our power. That's another thing that the illusory energy convinces us. So these are both totally mistaken viewpoints uh, that are imposed by Maya. Okay, so let's let's hear a little bit about how Ritasur talks about that. So this is text 13. Just as a person not inclined to die must never, 
nonetheless give up his longevity, opulence, fame, and everything else at the time of death. So at the appointed time of victory, one can gain all these when the Supreme Lord awards them by his mercy. Prabhupada writes in the purport, it is not good to be falsely puffed up, saying that by one's own efforts, one has become opulent or learned, beautiful, and so on. All such good fortune is achieved through the mercy of the Lord. From another point of view, no one wants to die and no one wants to be poor or ugly. Therefore, why does the living entity against his will receive such unwanted troubles? It is due to the mercy or chastisement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead that one gains or loses everything material. No one is independent. Everyone is dependent on the mercy or chastisement of the Supreme Lord. Hmm. So, you know, karma is certainly a factor in our success and failures, right? That we, in, in life. Hmm. Um, and the fact is that we have lived countless lifetimes and we've accumulated unlimited good and bad reactions for the actions we perform. Um, so in this life, we will suffer and enjoy the results of some of those. And in that way, we may, you know, get rid of some small amount of the reactions. Um, but even so, but even as we're burning off some of our previous karma, we're getting new karma, right? We're, we're, we're still adding to our, so it never really, the stock of karma never really diminishes. Mm. So, so with this stock, ultimately Krishna as the super soul, um, he determines which specific reactions we will face in this life or in another life. So although karma is a really important consideration, another way to look at it is that Krishna's dispensation of the karma is equally, if not more, significant when determining how much we're going to, in the material sense, enjoy or suffer in this world. So again, strong philosophy from a demon, <laughs> in air quotes. Some thoughts or questions or comments on this? No? We're good? Wait, sir, Prabhu? Oh, yes. yes. So, Prabhu, um, it's interesting, the philosophy being discussed here, um, the, uh, you know, how we should understand the happenings. I was thinking, like, at all times, we have to be in re remembrance. Who is the supreme controller? Every now and then we are presented with challenges and situations within the family, outside with others. And, you know, yesterday I was listening to the talk at Institute by Lakshman Prabhu. He was uh, speaking on a verse from Canto 4, Lord Shiva, how he at all times, as a true Vaishnava, he was offering respect to any and every living entity. And, you know, in spite of having this knowledge, you know, we... we we come across situations, we lose our temper or we forget. And for people we have affection with, you know, we look forward to respect them and be mm. kind to them. But, you know, it's a challenge to have this kind of mood or attitude with every single person we know. So here also, as I'm reading this, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of the talk about yesterday that, but then at the same time, to remember that Supreme Personality has a hand on everything, you know, it's due to his mercy or chastisement 
mm. one gains or loses including their respect or you know being treated unjustly you know mm-hmm. um, and to not be judgmental in spite of whatever situations we face and just to always remember that we are not the cause of all causes you know that we have the knowledge from bhagavad gita too that you know ultimately it's the five factors right after each action so i was like right. end up putting everything together nice and, and and we know that right now we're emphasizing one part and if we remember our bhagavad gita studies you know there's these basically there's these three doers krishna the living entity and the modes of material nature um and the example right that is given of of the child uh trying to lift the father's uh barbells or weights and while making the endeavor the child cannot do it but the father out of compassion stands behind the child and helps lift the weight and yeah. so then the question is who lifted the weight well you would say well, maybe the father lifted the weight but no if the child had not made an attempt then the father would have just walked by and not even tried to lift the weight so there's there's this combination of doers but maybe this I mean just thinking of this explanation that we, what we just talked about may be helpful for us um because we have to take responsibility for our actions uh, and therefore the reactions that we get in this life we know that they're because of something we've done previously um but it seems that one of Krishna's parts to play in this one of them besides setting up the whole system is that of all these different reactions that we have this whole huge container of aparabdha karma it's called um then um krishna may choose which ones we get especially for devotees you know as we're gradually burning away our karma uh and sugandha writes that prabhupad says somewhere we should always think our good position is due to the mercy of krishna not because of our effort but our miseries are due to our karma free will Yeah well and yes yes and then in the Gita he talks about how it's devotee uh it's like you know we've talked we've given this example like the business business person who um you know makes money when the market's up when the market's down so in happiness they make advancement they serve the they serve Krishna more freely and in distress they take more shelter of Krishna so thank you um okay thank you for that Shall we carry on? It just gets better. It's such a wonderful. <laughs> I just, I, for some reason, I just really was. Insp- I, I am inspired by this section of the Bhagavatam. So, text fourteen. Since everything is dependent on the supreme will of the personality of Godhead, one should be equipoised in fame and defamation, victory and defeat, life and death, in their effects represented as happiness and distress. one should maintain oneself in equilibrium without anxiety and then 15 one who knows that the now we get the three modes the three qualities goodness passion and ignorance are not qualities of the soul but qualities of material nature and who knows that the pure soul is simply an observer of the actions and reactions of these qualities should be understood to be a liberated person he is not bound by these qualities so we're bound by when we're bound at least by passion and ignorance uh we swing right between feelings of joy and depression um 
our mind gets captivated by something that has nothing to do with us. And these, you know, back and forth feelings are really just the byproduct, as this first saying, the byproduct of the three modes of material nature competing with one another, as we hear about in the Gita. So our job, in one sense, instead of focusing on the modes and their varying effects, we should fix our mind on Krishna and shift our experiences to one of shelter, um, yeah, shelter and not, not, what was the word that we used instead of uh, happiness earlier when I was talking to Andy? Um, satisfaction. Yeah. So, so the tricky thing I find is that we know we're supposed to make this shift. I don't think anyone on this call doubts that we're supposed to shift our consciousness in this way. Um, but actually focusing the mind on Krishna is easier said than done. It, it's not impossible uh, because Krishna's mercy can over, you know, clear, easily overcome, overpower our attraction to maya, to illusion. But to make that shift really it requires a sincere effort on our part, uh, prayer, and dependence on, on, on Krishna's mercy. So we should be really inspired by Vrityasura's example. Uh, he, he, he's lost an arm. He's bleeding profusely, right? And despite this, phys- this physical mess that he's in, he's fixed in his duty to fight. Mm-hmm. And what he's basically doing is he's telling, he's showing by his example what Indra should do. And, and because he's, well, and because he's preaching by example, his words are super, super powerful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the purport, the first half of the purport uh, explains what Bitrasura has said uh, can lead Indra toward liberation. And the second part, Prabhupada, applies liberation to Krishna consciousness. So let's go over that purport. As the Lord explains in Bhagavad Gita, Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma Nasochati Nathangshati Samantsareshu Bhuteshu Madbhaktim Labhateprum. One who is transcendentally situated at once realizes the Supreme Brahman and becomes fully joyful. Okay, so that's different than, so let's use that word joyful rather than happy. He never laments or desires to have anything. He is equally disposed to every living entity. In that state, he attains pure devotional service unto me. When one attains self-realization, the Brahma-Bhuta stage, one knows that whatever happens dur- during his life is due to the contamination of the modes of material nature. So whatever happens in our material, you know, our regular life, it's due to the modes. The living entity and the pure soul have nothing to do with these modes. In the midst of the hurricane of the material world, right? This is what have been like the, what they say, well, is this the top hurricane season ever since recorded history in the midst of the hurricane of material of the material world everything changes very quickly but if one remains silent and simply observes the action and reactions of the hurricane he is understood to be liberated so yeah i'm sure we've probably all seen on the internet or tv um some pictures from the hurricanes that have hit you know it really creates incredible havoc right um 
But here, if one remains silent, you know, if one can find some shelter where they're not affected by the hurricane, uh, then they're liberated. Okay, so now the second half, Prabhupada, relates liberation to Krishna Bhakti. The real qualification of the liberated soul is that he remains Krishna conscious, undisturbed by the reactions, actions and reactions of the material energy. Such a liberated person is always jubilant. So not just like negative, but like impersonals, but jubilant. He never laments or aspires for anything. Since everything is supplied by the Supreme Lord, the living entity being fully dependent on him should not protest or accept anything in terms of his personal sense gratification. Rather, he should receive everything as the mercy of the Lord and remain steady in all circumstances. Beautiful. Some thoughts, comments, questions? No? I think that is oh, a, high, a high bar steady in all circumstances. <laughs> you think? <laughs> it's, it's a little too high. I was thinking of it more like driving, right? If you're driving your car and you're on the road, right? Okay. As long as you haven't gone off the road, you might have to turn a little bit right, a little bit left to stay in your lane. But so one way could be like happiness or sadness, but you're just driving along. You're still in the road, but yeah. to remain completely fixed like a rock. I mean, that's a high bar. Well, I like that. And therefore, let, so let's, let's look at it. You know, uh, I like to look at things from spectrums and not just the off and on switch, right? Like you're saying. So one way, um, oh, I just had it in my mind. Let me see if I can remember it now. Uh, you, cause you use the, uh, the lane example. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so if, if you can see me in your hand, right? So, um, Maybe for a person who's not connected at all with Krishna, the life, the life can seem like a roller coaster, right? And so maybe at least we can start making it a little, the ups and the downs a little less. And that would be gradual going to it, right? You know, not getting, you know, totally uh, worked up about things or totally excited, um, material things. But, you know, just we, we gradually become less affected by them. How's that sound, Andy? A gradual progress. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was thinking about happiness and sadness. Don't get too happy or too sad. Try to get less happy and less sad. Dampen them. Yeah. Yeah. And Prabhupada in the second half of the purport is saying the only real way to do that in this world is to um, start practicing our our consciousness of Krishna. Yeah. Hare Krishna, Prabhu, just a jivta to us. Reminds me when I, I'm hearing and I'm reading this section is uh, Lord in the Peace Formula in Bhagavad Gita. He reveals Surhidam Sarva Bhutanam. Yeah. So he's our best friend, he's a benefactor, and he's only looking for our progress to come to him. He's, mm-hmm. Everything that happens in our life is actually an opportunity for us to approach Krishna, to be reminded of Krishna. Now that opportunity exists whether we take whether we avail that opportunity is our choice. That's the freedom. Nice. Nice. So let's see if we can do one more verse at least. We're almost um, caught up. But um, uh, in, 16, in 16 and 17, uh, Britra, we're seeing Britrasura's example, detached, dutiful action, and depending fully on Krishna. So 16. Oh, my enemy, just look at me. So he's saying, look at my example. I have already been defeated, for my weapon and arm have been cut to pieces. You have already overwhelmed me 
but nonetheless, with a desire to kill you, I am trying my best to fight. I am not at all morose, even under such adverse conditions. Therefore, you should give up your moroseness and continue to fight. Listen, I, I got my arm cut off and I'm fine. And you're, you know, you're all in one piece and you're like, you're so morose. Purport Vritasura was so great and powerful that in effect he was acting as a spiritual master of Indra. Although Vritasura was on the verge of defeat, he was not at all affected. He knew that he was going to be defeated by Indra and he voluntarily accepted that because since he was supposed to be Indra's enemy, he tried his best to kill Indra. Thus, he performed his duty. One should perform his duty under all circumstances, even though one may know what uh, one may know what the result will be. So that's that's what a great he knows what the result's going to be, and still you know he's doing his his duty, which is the basis of the Bhagavad Gita, right? Karma nevali karaste. Very nice. So in verse seventeen, oh my enemy. Consider this battle a gambling match. Beautiful example here. Um, a gambling match in which our lives are the stakes, <laughs> the arrows are the dice, and the animals acting as carriers are the game board. No one can understand who will be defeated and who will be victorious. It all depends on providence. Not Rhode Island either. The will of the Lord ultimately. So in 18 to 22, Indra replies to Britrasura. Sukadeva Goswami said, hearing the straightforward instruction, instructive words of Britrasura, King Indra praised him and again took the, thunder, uh, took the thunderbolt in his hand. Without bewilderment or duplicity, he then smiled and spoke to Britrasura as follows. Indra said, oh, great demon, I see by your determination a discrimination and endurance in devotional service, despite your dangerous position, that you are a perfect devotee of the Supreme Personality of God, the super soul and friend of everyone. You have surmounted the illusory energy of Lord Vishnu. And because of this liberation, you have given up the demoniac mentality and attained the position of an exalted devotee. O Britta, sir, demons are generally conducted by the modes of passion. Therefore, what a great wonder it is that although you are a demon and you have adopted the mentality, you have adopted the mentality of a devotee and have fixed your mind on the Supreme Personality of God at Vasudev, who is always situated in goodness. A person fixed in the devotional service of Lord Hari, the Lord of the highest auspiciousness, swims in the ocean of nectar. For him, what is the use of the water of small ditches? So, you know, you get the feeling. Uh, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll start with this purport uh, next week. But you kind of get the feeling that, you know, I, at least I don't know if it's fair to say this about Indra, but I can say it myself, like, I know better. So I can, you know, glorify a great devotee. And yes, that's the way it should be, even if I'm not there. <laughs> you kind of get that from that, that Indra. Is, okay, he maybe have all these mixed desires and things. And he is a devotee, but he can see where Vritasura's consciousness is, is at and just think it's just amazing and fantastic. <clears throat> Uh, and Suga, uh, Suganda puts this beautiful um, morning walk. Devotees never see suffering as suffering. It is favor of Krishna. That is devotee's vision. It is exactly like a son who knows his father well. If the father slaps, the son never protests. He knows that it is good for me. Similarly, a devotee never is disturbed when there is suffering given by Krishna. The karmi is different. The karmi is suffering. He is suffering. 
just like animal is suffering. A criminal is given slap by the police. That slap and the father is giving slap. That slap is different, although it looks the same, but there is great difference. Okay, so we there's very few purports in, in the rest of the chapter. So we will the homework assignment will be focused next week on the the next chapter in the Bhagavatam, although we'll read this full chapter, but uh how King Indra affected by sinful reactions. So we will finish uh hearing about um Richasura in uh next week. But the interesting thing is we'll hear about uh, who he was previously as Chitraketu in subsequent weeks. Okay, Prabhus? Hare Krishna, thank you so much. Okay. And we will, I hope you have a wonderful uh, week and uh, congratulations on finishing your Kartik Brats. <coughs> and we will see you all next week. Krishna willing. Thank you, Prabhuji. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Prabhuji. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.